Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Biden's inflation reduction fantasy, the FBI's Stasi raids and the Danchenko duplicity, the FBI's election fraud cover-up mission, and Q&A Wednesday, the Queen. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. Hey, hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I'm actually in a different studio today, as you can plainly see. Today I'm using one of the alternate studios uh, here at Real News PR. I want to thank Real News PR, the Real News Communication Network, and particularly today, Emilio Diaz, my producer for today, who's just uh, making the show rock and roll no matter which stu studio was available to use. So I'm uh, grateful to be here and to be able to do the show today. So. I want to talk in the first five today about Biden's inflation reduction fantasy. And many of you may have seen this little entertainment in Washington over the weekend, but I'm going to play a very short clip of James Taylor and what was used by the Biden administration to introduce the discussion about, and, and actually this was a kickoff celebration of the Inflation Reduction Act. And I want to first play that short clip of James Taylor. Just yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone. Suzanne, the plans they made put an end to me. I walked out this morning and I wrote down the song. I just can't remember who sent it to I've seen fire and I've seen rain. Okay. Do you remember the scene in Star Wars where Obi-Wan Kenobi is using his powers and these they're trying to sneak through and the stormtroopers are standing guard and Obi-Wan Kenobi is able to use his magic power and say, these are not the droids you're looking for. These are not the droids you're looking for. And they're kind of mesmerized. They're not recognizing that they're letting in the droids that they are looking for. This is what the Biden administration was doing with this idiotic, farcical, and actually 
not just fantasy, but sinister fancy, uh, fantasy celebration at the White House about the Inflation Reduction Act. Everyone loves that James Taylor song, Fire and Rain. Everybody loves that. It is, I mean, Mitchell, oh, I remember when I used to listen to this. It was so cool. I love this. So he's using a very trendy, not trendy, current trendy, but very popular, widely known love song, a fool of a performer in the name, in the form of James Taylor, to introduce to America the absolute destruction of America, which the Biden Inflation Reduction Act is. It is a, fantasy is a nice word. It is an enablement of the takedown of America right in your face. As you likely know, as this event was ongoing in Washington, the economy is so bad that during this time that they're, he's singing away, uh, you know, telling you all about the, um, you know, yesterday morning fire and rain, the stock market dropped over a thousand points because of how bad inflation is. The very thing they're celebrating, he solved inflation. Oh, you know, Inflation Reduction Act is here. Don't worry, folks. The economy's tanking and the numbers tell the story. But the real thing about the numbers and inflation is the things that are rising in cost are the things the average American must have housing, rents, food, clothing, everything you need to live. Inflation is out of control. The White House tried to say, yeah, but look, uh, the last 12 days, gas prices have come slightly down, slightly. And I'm making this point, it's not just that the Biden uh, Inflation Reduction Act is absurd and stupid and ridiculous. It is that they're using this backdrop of James Taylor and fire and rain. Isn't this so cool? Everyone loves fire and rain. Thinking that you are so stupid, you the American people, that you'll just be dazzled by a famous song and a famous singer and somehow not connect the dots between the, the horrible economy, the ridiculous level of inflation, the horrible impact on America of the Biden economic policies, and you'll just be dazzled because you're, they've announced, don't worry, it's really going great. I mean, you know what? Listen, James Taylor said fire and rain. So literally they have the stock market plummet over a thousand points based on the inflation that is, that, that is occurring right now. And so there's also at the time before the bill was passed, there were many experts weighing in, say there was exactly zero chance of this massive spending bill, zero chance this massive spending bill can at all help reduce inflation. I'm going to tell you the people who backed it, the people who put it forth, the people who signed it did not think it would reduce inflation. They thought it was a good label, a really catchy thing to label this behemoth out of control spending bill disguised as a inflation reduction act. I want to focus on two things in this, what will be more than five, first five, that are in the um, inflation reduction bill. One has to do with climate change. In this extraordinarily expensive bill, which America cannot afford, all we're doing, by the way, is just printing money that's meaningless and then spread, spreading that money around. But this inflation reduction act, which they know, and we know, and they know, we know, we know, they know, everyone knows is not going to reduce inflation. All they did was find a name and a, and a singer to lull you into stupidity. 
they found a name, inflation reduction, that would cause not too much protest over this enormously outrageous spending bill. Let me talk about the climate provisions in this bill. This is a bill that's going to spend $369 billion, B as in boy, billion, to fight climate change. Never mind, for example, that as we've had in the show very recently, we had a great, great, great expert on the show, Mark Morano. I think it was just this past Thursday, yeah, this past Thursday, Go, go back to our Thursday show, September 8th. Mark Morano, brilliant guy, full one hour intense interview about the climate change farce. And you will know more than you ever learned from listening to any left-wing politician your whole life. Mark Morano had a great depiction of the truth about climate change. The simple fact is that there is no reason for climate change alarmism. There's no reason for the drastic measures that the left is pushing. And there's no reason for the massive spending they are now pushing out. But let me give you a little, a few tidbits. And the Inflation Reduction Act, the $369 billion uh, to fight climate change. There are provisions in there that would just, you, you pull, if you were paying attention and you read them, you'd pull your hand out. So, I mean, just a few examples I'll give you because they, they really could make you just crazy, just, just completely crazy. Uh, one is that they have all sorts of provisions dealing with uh, manufacturing clean energy products. And so they want to, for example, investment tax credits to manufacturing things like electric vehicles. Let me put a comma there. Electric vehicles that no one except the wealthy can afford that are preposterously unreliable, that are expensive to charge, and that use fossil fuels in their construction and in keeping them able to work, work on the road. They're just a farce. They're a fantasy. Electric cars, this is the Biden, well, we're gonna solve everything. We're gonna make this so that we have a, a $10 billion investment tax credit on manufacturing things like electric vehicles, wind turbines, another left-wing climate fantasy farce. We cannot, in America or any country in the world, even begin to touch the creation of our energy needs by having more wind turbines. We had this years ago, we had this on the show, this description of the number of wind turbines you'd have to have in America to even produce 10% of America's energy needs was like you'd have to have it in every square space not yet used in, in America for some other purpose. I mean, you cannot produce enough energy with wind turbines. And of course, if it's not windy, nothing goes. So you have, and solar panels. So there's an additional $30 billion of additional um, production, ta production tax credits to accelerate domestic manufacturing of solar panels, wind turbines, and batteries. So they are pushing these solutions, these alter alternatives to traditional fossil fuel that will never, ever, ever supply our America's energy needs. They know it, we know it, we know, they know, they know, we know, and they just look you right in your face, stick on a James Taylor song, and everyone goes, oh, wow, I love wind and you know, fire and rain. And, and then you're completely duped, or they hope, lulled into going, well, okay, I guess we have to do this bill. So that was one example of the spending. Um, they have $20 billion for the agricultural sector, sector, which is being destroyed by Biden policies, $3 billion to reduce air pollution at ports, including unspecified funding for a program to reduce methane emissions. I mean, it goes on and on. The one I really wanted to hit on, though, which I think just typifies how the left does everything, because they want you to go along with this climate change spending useless boondoggle 
they always have to throw in, well, you know, there's always a racial component. So they have 60 billion, 60 billion, B as in boy billion, to address the unequal effects of pollution on low-income communities and communities of color. People, <laughs> this is pure poppycock. It's just hogwash. It is a, once you see the words, oh, communities of color and low-income communities, okay, okay, better spend that. There is no reason that this non-existent problem of climate change, if it were a real problem, would be more impactful, more harmful, whether you happen to live in a community whose majority members were a particular skin color, race, ethnicity, national origin. It is just an excuse to lull you into accepting this absurdity of climate change and therefore the, the necessity to spend out the wazoo. So inflation reduction, fighting the climate change issue, which is not an emergency, which is not even a serious problem and which we need, according to many actual experts who are not being paid by the government, saying actually fossil fuels aren't hurting anything. And the rising level of CO2 is actually healthy for plants in the world. We have increase of rainforest and as we learned from Mark Morano last week on this show, and please tuck this fact away and spring it on your family when they start talking climate change. In all the measurable history of the earth, you can, they can measure the level of CO2 from long before humans were ever on the earth. And they do that by probes going very, very deep into the ice and the Arctic and Antarctic in 90% of the human, of the measurable history of the planet, the CO2 level was higher than it is now. Before there were cars, before there was the, you know, cars and jets and all that. This is, the CO2 hysteria is unjustified by science, unjustified by facts, but they have people so afraid of CO2, so afraid of climate change, so afraid of fossil fuels that we just surrender our financial stability and we, we engage in, you know, spending lunacy and climate lunacy over a problem they have built up and caused Americans to feel so much fear about that we can't figure out what to do except to go along with it. Similarly, and yes, I know I'm exceeding five minutes in my first five, but hey, it's my show. I don't have a guest today. The other thing I want to mention about this bill, which is just sim simply stunning, I think, the Inflation Reduction Act involves a major, major handout to big pharma, which is a major source of lobbying, lobbying and a major source of donations to the Democrat Party and to Democrat candidates. So here you have it. You have this bill, this payback bill out of the Democrat majority in Washington, House and Senate, that is going to give money to the pharmaceutical industry, which is in bed with the agencies that are supposed to regulate it, supposed to be aware of the I don't know, impact and side effects of vaccines before they approve them. The pharmaceutical industry in bed with the American government, in bed with the FDA and CDC and Fauci and the NIH, and they're going to get a boondoggle out of this bill, out of this inflation reduction bill. And so I wanted to say one last thing in closing out on this topic today. People have been using the expression that, you know, Biden and his team are clueless, that this is, you know, that what really is going to happen as a result of the Inflation Reduction Act is going to be, you know, going to hurt America's economy, that it's going to be, you know, just a, just not really help the inflation problem in America, um, even though uh, they say it will. Joe Biden 
and the anti-American Marxist left are not clueless. They are not clueless. That was a headline of one of the major conservative publications was clueless Joe Biden uh, talks about inflation reduction. He's not clueless. Just as in every other policy this administration is engaged in, every other policy, abandoning the border, abandoning our military efforts in Afghanistan and handing it over to the Taliban. In their spending policies, in their education policies, in their family-related policies, everything they're doing is intentional, it is thought through, it is designed to destroy the America as contemplated by the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, the America the free, America the country rooted in the promise of individual liberty and the idea that we all have rights from God because we were born and government exists to protect those rights. That America, that America of God-given rights and religious freedom and all the freedoms spelled out in the Bill of Rights, and everything this government is doing, we're going to turn to the FBI in a moment and talk about what they've been doing. Everything they're doing is according to plan. It is intentional. They do realize they're inflicting massive harm on the American people, on the American farmers, on the American economy, on the country's culture, on the country's strength, on the country's military. They do realize that everything they are doing is hurting America, and that is their intention. I know that's a hard pill to swallow. I know people want to say, well, it's a reasonable discussion of many policies, you know, policy X, policy Y. There are reasonable policy discussions to have, but they're not happening in America today. They're not happening in Washington. They're not happening because the left is not, does not have the best interests of the American people, the best interests of, of the idea of America as contemplated in the Declaration and, and in the Constitution, and as contemplated by our founding fathers. They want to bring down that spirit of freedom in America, that strong country, that unique, extraordinary, great America, because that unique, extraordinary, great America is a boulder in the road to the leftist agenda of bringing down this country, reducing our sovereignty, reducing our culture and fabric and very identity as America, and pitting it instead, pushing it instead into the you know mass of countries to be yet controlled by the globalist World Economic Forum, whatever you want to call these people who want to end the idea of nation states and sovereignty. They want America diminished in character, in stature, in strength, in wealth, and in belief in itself because that makes America vulnerable to and more amenable to this socialist, globalist, World Economic Forum, Great Reset Agenda, which Biden and his entire team are completely behind. And that, my very fine friends, is my today's first five. So is first 20, but hey, it was a good one. Okay, so I wanna talk next about um, the FBI's behavior. Um, I tell you folks, the, these things that are happening in America, um, it's sometimes mind-blowing to contemplate these things are actually happening. I think if you'd written them into a movie script, you know, 30, 40 years ago, people would say, well, that's not going to happen to America. I mean, America, we've got rule of law. We have the Constitution. We have elections. We have people who, you know, can run for office and stand up and fix problems. The things that are happening to America are, are simply, they are beyond contemplation to people who, you know, stopped learning and thinking about 40 years ago. But where we are now in America, we have the FBI's conduct 
toward American citizens beyond the pale, beyond beyond any description. And I actually want to, I you know call this. I actually changed the name. I uh, I'll tell you, my friend. I want to call it FBI's Stasi raids and the Denchenko duplicity. I tried to push those two together. Anyway, Emilio. So in the studio, by the way, I can't see Emilio. I, I'd like to be looking at him, trying to signal him. But anyway, I, uh, the label I want to put in this segment is FBI's Stasi raids and the Denchenko duplicity. But I'm going to start with the Stasi raids. The FBI, the reason in America we always, we have felt safe is because we had the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and the CIA and every other national law enforcement agency created by a representative body, the Congress, and accountable to them at some level. So we have we have the notion that if the FBI or any other uh, really empowered agency in Washington got way out of control, you know, we'd, we'd have a, a vehicle to get around them. We'd have, we'd have a vehicle to fix it. But here's where we are with the FBI. I'm going to hit in a moment what happened with Mike Lindell just yesterday. But prior to that, I want to take you back very quickly. The FBI, during the course of the Trump presidency, worked against his interests at every step of the way. Many people say, well, you know, when Trump ran the FBI, all this stuff was already happening. The leftist infiltration, the anti-American leftist infiltration of many uh, bureaucracies in Washington, many entities and, and in academia around this country has been decades in coming. The FBI has been filled with left-wing thinkers who and, and people who are in bed with the whole snake pit of Washington, D.C. They're in bed with the deep state rulers and they want to perpetuate power as is now held in Washington more than they want to comply. They, the FBI and, and DOJ, they want to comply with keeping those entities, keeping the status quo in Washington. The FBI is ruling and the, the, the uh, ruling cabal in Washington, D.C., which is uniparty, which is deep state. They are going to control everything. And what, what the FBI did, and I'll just turn back briefly to the time when Trump was president. First of all, his victory just just knocked people off their uh, off their rockers off their seats so they, they couldn't believe that trump won the election in 2016 and it was it was there was an attempt at rigging it and you know most people were predicting hillary was going to win it was like you know many of the alleged pundits were and experts were saying oh yeah 96 percent chance hillary wins so trump gets in and he ran on talking about there's a deep state there, there's a ruling class ruling elites both parties and they're not going to like when i come into power and when he got into power, he, Trump, recognized even more deeply, fully, and broadly than he had before how deep and rotten the swamp is in Washington. So the FBI sets out because Hillary Clinton cooked up the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. We all know this now. This is not opinion. This is what occurred. has been proven. She, Hillary Clinton, along with Fusion GPS and the DNC, cooked up the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, and they put that out there. And so the FBI diligently you know, races around. We gotta, we gotta look into this, we gotta investigate. So the FBI continues uh, to investigate Trump-Russia collusion when very early on, uh, in fact, there were handwritten notes by, in John Brennan's handwriting in, in, from, the, from the CIA, then had us in 2017 recognizing Hillary made up this whole thing. It, it was a campaign smear job. 
but the FBI was willing for two plus years or three plus years to pretend there was really something to the Trump-Russia collusion hoax to continue to to uh, smear individuals connected with the Trump campaign, to, to investigate, to depositions, and all sorts of just, just you know, creating headlines and misery for the Trump administration, and, and really nary a person in the FBI. Many of them had to have seen there was nothing to it, and nobody spoke up. Nobody said, you know, there's actually not really anything to this. They just let them do it. And so the FBI does that, and then the FBI has, furthering on their role, they have since the time of the January 6th episode in Washington, 2021, and, and the DOJ behind them, the FBI has engaged and, and been, been engaged in what is truly worthy of the label Stasi-style raids on individual Americans. So, as you know, I've said in the show before, my friend, Dr. Simone Gold, been on the show, going to speak at our summit uh, next month. Uh, Dr. Simone Gold, who literally walked in the Capitol because the doors were propped open by the Capitol Police, read a little speech she'd been invited to give that day in the rotunda, walked out the end. Didn't break anything, hurt anybody, nothing. And she just got released from prison last Friday. She spent, she served 45 of the 60 days that she was uh, sentenced to for trespassing. This is an FBI and the DOJ that is being used as an arm of the left-wing ruling class to shut down political opposition. This is truly nothing better than what occurred under the Stasi, except they're not yet breaking down doors and killing people. But their conduct, their commitment to the rule of law, to the equal hand of justice, is, is, has been obliterated. So you have the FBI, I give Simone Gold as, as an example, there are dozens and maybe hundreds more where the FBI shows up at the front door of people who weren't even in the Capitol, they're just on the Capitol grounds, uh, going to the, as far as they can to think every conceivable crime that could be charged, the DOJ has gone after people who went to Washington that day, as Dinesh D'Souza said it in his 2000, Mule, 2000 Mules movie, this was the primal scream of America saying this election was stolen, which it was. So you have the, the, the FBI and DOJ have taken the side, not of even handed of just, hand of justice. They couldn't be bothered looking into all of the riots of Antifa. They couldn't be bothered looking into Black Lives Matter and all that they did to destroy American cities and businesses and lives. But they can be 100% focused on everything that occurred on January 6th. Every person, they're still looking still looking for other people who might have come to Washington January 6th. But I fast forward. So now the DOJ and FBI, after having targeted Americans of all backgrounds and literally getting to where they're, they're afraid in their homes and they had, you know, breaking down the door. Simone Gold, they broke down her door for crying out loud, as they did with many, many other people. So fast forwarding now, all of that, the, the FBI might say, well, you know, but we're really, really doing a thorough job looking into what occurred on January 6th, and that's why we had to do all this. But over the weekend, or actually yesterday, actually, I think, they, they uh, stopped, they swarmed Mike Lindell, who wasn't in Washington January 6th and didn't go in the Capitol, swarmed him as his, he and his family are leaving a Hardee's restaurant and took his phone. I have a clip I sent to Mr. Emilio. We can quick play what Mike Lindell had to say in describing it, and then we'll talk about it more. Today, the FBI 
Uh, you're going to hear this, and you're probably already hearing it in the news. The FBI came after me and took my phone. They surrounded me at a Hardee's and uh, took my phone. I run all my business, everything with. Um, um, they could have just, what we've done is weaponize the FBI. Um, it's disgusting. I don't have a computer. Everything I do have that phone, everything was on there. And, uh, um, and they told me not to tell anybody. Here's an order not to, don't tell anybody. Okay, I won't. <laughs> well, I am. So, there you Okay, first of all, why I want to talk about that, whether you like, like Mike Lindell, whatever you think, the FBI is, is now, I mean, it's obvious, they're not looking into January 6th. Lindell wasn't even political as of the time of the election. He's not a political guy. He was a business guy who formed my pillow. He got involved when he began to see and began to recognize the unbelievable corruption of the 2020 election. And then he began looking into it. But the FBI is now telling him and telling you, the American people, we're not just looking at possible crimes we maybe could charge related to January 6th. We're going after anyone who dares challenge, anyone who dares challenge the authenticity, the validity of the 2020 elections. Quick interrupt, radio listeners. You're going to go back to, uh, off on a break, just a couple seconds. Come back after three minutes. I'll be right here. I want you to think how important this is because now this is the FBI saying we're not just looking into people who we can, you know, to make some stretch and, and claim maybe conspired to help Trump on, on January 6th or, or something like that. This is a guy who had nothing to do with January 6th. This is a guy who has since that time, as have literally millions of other Americans, become aware of the massive evidence of election fraud in 2020. And he's using the uh, resources he has to bring that information to the public. He helps expose the data being developed by many, many researchers, many, many brilliant people who are saying, I'm going to look into this because the election fraud evidence is so overwhelming. So this is what Mike Lindell is doing. Mike Lindell also said, um, this in, he gave that little clip that you just saw. He also was interviewed and said he was asked about Dr. Douglas Frank. Dr. Douglas Frank, again, not a political guy, was not in Washington January 6th, wasn't even involved politically at all until after 2020, and he got involved only because a friend of his, uh, I don't even know her name, but she ran for some office in the state of Pennsylvania, and after the elections of 2020, she called, uh, she called uh, um, Dr. Douglas Frank and said, you know, I, um, they said I lost my election, but I know I didn't. I know the polling. And so he dove in, first time he got involved at all. This is, I'm speaking of Dr. Douglas Frank. First time he got involved, dove in to look at her evidence and the data surrounding her election and realized, yeah, your election was stolen. And then he got on the mission of using his amazingly brilliant mind to analyze data around the country related to election fraud. So, this is the FBI. This is Lindell saying, yeah, the FBI and questioning him asked him about Dr. Douglas Frank. So now the FBI is charging around. They are breaking down doors. They didn't break his door down. They actually tracked him using his phone till he's leaving a Hardee's restaurant. This is Lindell now. But you now have the FBI going after, you, know, you had the uh, Mar-a-Lago raid 
over nothing. You had then Representative Scott Perry from Pennsylvania had the FBI snatch his phone. Uh, there are a couple other people. There are now reports of 40, up to 40 subpoenas or actual seizing of phones. Um, John Eastman, lawyer for the president, had his, the FBI search and seize his phone. That was back in June. Uh, again, recently, Boris Epstein and Mike Rowan um, had their phones seized. They were top Trump advisors uh, who've been working on the electoral college issues. This is an FBI out of control. I don't mean like they maybe are a little tiny bit political. I mean, they're using the power our Congress gave them in creating them, the power they have in Washington to enforce, to attack, to intimidate anyone who dares challenge the current regime, the Biden regime. This is ugly, this is un-American, and we're getting in very, very dangerous territory. Very dangerous territory. Because now what they're saying is, we're not even, we don't even care if you were in Washington January 6th. If you're part of this election fraud discussion, if you dare to research, if you dare to look into it, you just might be a, a, cr a criminal and we're coming after you. And on the subject of election fraud, and you think about what the FBI is doing, you know, the FBI should be, of, of all the entities, if they were actually law-abiding and they were actually neutral and they actually cared about their commitment to American law, they, they themselves would be investigating election fraud. They themselves would be investigating the, um, the 2020 election, what, what happened. There's a great story I'm going to tell you here in a minute. Uh, investigating what happened in uh, the 2020 elections and how... Um, out of control, the um, the entire elections were the data that that, that the uh, got, the um, people have come up with. They, they would be studying it. They'd be studying what Dr. Douglas Frank is saying. They'd be looking at all of that, but they're not. They're not looking at election fraud. They're looking at intimidating and potentially charging people who wish to expose election fraud. People, it cannot even get more serious than it is. I'm looking for something, and I thought I had this article with me. I really want to tell you this story, um, which has to do with the um, uh, the elections of 2020 and what um, private a, a private entity has uncovered. And I, this, I mean, you talk what they should be doing. The FBI should be doing. So, in the state of Michigan, uh, there was a there's a company called Conic, K-O-N-N-E-C-H, a U.S. software company based in East Lansing, Michigan. And because the FBI doesn't investigate election fraud, because they've taken the side of the Biden administration and those who want the control of the elections to remain in the power of whoever it is who is manipulating elections, they just don't investigate. So. These researchers in Michigan, I want to share this story with you because it's, it's just simply mind-blowing. Conic Inc., U.S. software company based in East Lansing, Michigan. It is an American technology company. It was founded in 2002, and it was used by the U.S. Department of Defense and thousands of election offices across North America. It is filled, filled with Communist Chinese Party-connected people and technology. And I'm telling you, this is, by, by the way, the Greg Phillips guy who is, who collected information along with Catherine Engelbrecht and they gave it to Dinesh D'Souza. He can make a 2000 Mules movie. Uh, Greg Phillips has been talking about this company. Just under, just a little bit about this company. A company that has, so you understand, 
complete control and access to the election systems in Michigan. Complete control, access, and provision. And I will just tell you, um, they also, some of the people involved in this company, Conic, were the people involved, their communication, they created the communication platforms used by the Confucius Institutes in American college campuses. And if you know what those are, very quickly, one of many ways China spies on America was they cre create Confucius Institutes at college campuses for the alleged purpose of building understanding and you know communicating and sharing culture, blah, blah, blah. And fortunately, under Trump, we figured out, we America figured out that they're just, they're just there to be spies, to be to spy on American culture. People working at them report back. They're there to recruit people to support the Communist Chinese Party. I mean, it is a spy operation, which we were welcoming on college campuses. But back to this company, Conic and what the FBI could be investigating if they actually cared about truth. So we have many of the company's software engineers and employees, many of Conic, again, Conic being a US software company based in Lansing, Michigan, which helps manage the poll workers, poll locations, campaigns, assets, mail-in ballots, and supplies necessary to run elections in the United States, Canada, and Australia. They're that big. So the people working there, many of them, the software engineers, the people who would know how to do things, and employees graduated from Chinese universities, uh, Zhejiang University, Nanjing University, University of Science and Technology of China, Beijing Language and Culture University. So these people infiltrated an iconic company in America that it has tremendous connections, you know, just everywhere in the American election system filled with people who went to college in China and who are, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm going to skip the other universities and get to the next point about some of these, there were um, Wuhan coding resources led to four members. So, that, so they've been looking into it in Australia. In Australia, Queensland, Australia, 2020 elections count reporting problems on election night were probably a result of a new computer system not being tested as planned because coding sources, coding resources were locked down in Wuhan. How could that be a problem? In fact, these Wuhan coding resources led to four members of the Queensland Parliament asking the Premier in 2020 why Connick was given the contract to reduce, produce the software administering the Queensland elections using China-based codes. I could read and read and read to you, but I'm telling you, this is going on under the nose of the FBI. Under the nose of the FBI. And it doesn't seem to interest them. They'd rather grab the phone of Mike Lindell, who's trying to bring out evidence. He's not hiding anything. He's holding symposiums. He's putting information out. He's encouraging these people investigating election fraud to get the word out there. He's helping get word out. That's who the FBI doesn't like. Investigating a real problem, not of interest. You've got to ask yourself why. And I hope you cannot come to any other conclusion other than the FBI is heavily compromised. 
at the at the nicest way, the most innocent explanation, they are just deeply into left wing ideology, and they're fine with the left wing Biden administration being in charge. And then, and but I'm telling you, it's worse than that. This is an infiltration of our election system at the hands of numerous people at Connick and other places, and you have the FBI and DOJ do not care. Compound that with. The FBI can seize a cell phone belonging to a congressman, belonging to Mike Lindell, uh, other people, John Eastman, lawyer for the president. But they could not think of a good reason to investigate the Hunter Biden laptop. Please think about that. The Hunter Biden laptop was in the possession of the FBI before the 2020 elections. It appears they participated in the misinformation campaign, the effort to label the Hunter Biden laptop story as misinformation. They didn't look into it still to this day. Here we sit in September of 2022, and we don't hear the FBI investigating the unbelievable corruption that is, they're, they're sitting on the evidence of the Hunter Biden laptop. They actually have it in their possession. And when you think about the fact that much of what Hunter Biden was doing involved compromising situations of all kinds connected to Ukraine, connected to China, and we now have those are central players in America's foreign policy, many people deeply concerned that our commander in chief or our occupying authority, because he didn't win, but the occupying government in Washington are compromised by China and Ukraine and in bed with all sorts of entities and NGOs and individuals connected in Ukraine and China. And this does not interest the FBI. So what do we do about this? I know I can, I can hear some of you. I know the emails I'm going to get after the show and the comments I'm going to get. People say, well, what do you want us to do about it? I'm going to get to that, what you can do about it. But you've got to understand the depth of complete corruption represented by today's FBI. They only investigate enemies of the left. They only investigate enemies of the Biden administration. They will not look at the right in their hands or sitting in their offices, Hunter Biden laptop, which if all of us could have them looking into that, we might actually be freed of this occupying authority in the form of the Biden administration sooner rather than later. The other FBI story that came out, and I don't have time to embellish it because I want to hit a couple of things today, but um, I got into, I, actually, Emilio, I'll just tell you, I kind of blended the next topic. I, I talked about the FBI's election fraud cover-up mission. Quickly to finish on this, before I get to that, quickly to finish on this and the, and the FBI. What, one thing that came out in the um, in a pleading that uh, John Durham filed, uh, this is the guy who's allegedly, well, had Bill Barr was the attorney general, and the whole Trump-Russia collusion, you know, non-existent investigation went on and on and on and on and on. Bill Barr's there, Mueller's there, you know, covering up. Many people thought Barr engaged, uh, Bill Barr engaged in a cover-up to protect the FBI and DOJ because he was the, uh, there to, you know, protect the institutions. But they were concerned that he wasn't really dedicated to figuring out the FBI um, and the whole Russia-Trump collusion thing. So he appoints John Durham, a special prosecutor. He's going to really, really investigate and look in and figure out how how in the world did this thing get so out of control with inside the FBI? 
So Durham files something in court recently which allowed Americans to learn that the FBI paid your tax dollars, which is the least of the problems, but FBI paid for Russian disinformation that was used to frame Donald Trump. The threat that Donald Trump, back to him for a moment, the threat that Donald Trump poses is to the swamp in Washington is not just that he would be easily reelected. It's not just that he won the 2020 election and, and you know, they just weren't going to let him have it. They, they engaged in all sorts of fraud. And so we have the occupying force of the Biden team. But the threat that Trump poses to them is that he doesn't owe any of these people favors. He doesn't owe them. Uh, he's not they're, they're, he's not afraid of them. And if he were to come back in power, now what he understands about the conduct of the FBI and the DOJ and many other swamp players in Washington spread throughout other agencies, State Department, NSA, CIA, Trump has got a lot more information and a lot more determination than he had during his first, uh, first term, maybe his only term. But the FBI actually paid that guy, Igor Denchenko, Igor Danchenko, the one who was giving all the information about the dossier, was actually all along being paid by the FBI. So the FBI is paying him to come up with the disinformation they then use to justify the FISA warrants, to get FISA warrants to spy on Trump. I mean, people, it's a cesspool. I do, I, I, I know I'm not the first person to say this, and I said it before, and I will say it many more times, the FBI and the CIA and maybe other entities need to be completely dismantled. When there is a Republican president, which, I mean, you can't even say the Republicans are, I mean, you have to have a law-abiding, patriotic, committed to the Declaration of the Constitution president, which cannot exist in the Democrat Party, can only exist in the Republican Party. If you can have that person that kind of president with the power of the, the Senate and the House majority, there needs to be an absolute dismantlement of the FBI. I had on the show two weeks ago, uh, on September 1st, I had Congressman Louis Gomer, who's, you know, just a, a, he's a longtime friend, Jim, love the guy. He was on the show and he was basically saying, you know, yeah, what's got to happen is you have to build some other structure. You've got to build some other agency to enforce the law in Washington, but a new agency. And once that's up and running, FBI, and now he was kind of talking higher levels of the FBI, you know, investigated and removed and many, maybe many of them removed. The whole thing has to go. It's rotten to the core. It's become a core part of being an FBI person. What, what you understand when you join the agency was you join them, you get on board with a left-wing agenda to protect the ruling cabal, the ruling class, the deep state in Washington. That's your highest goal, not the rule of law, not the rights of the American citizens. Your highest goal is to protect, is to protect the ruling class. So the FBI, there's a lot more, um, I might have to come back to this story um, because there's a lot more to that that I can't dive into today, but the, just the mere fact that the FBI was paying for the Russian disinformation that Igor Danchenko gave them that then used, they then used, FBI used, to get the FISA warrants. I, I mean, corruption is simply unbelievable. Uh, other quick thing about the Biden administration, very interesting. Um, so 
We um, talked previously about an uh, executive order that Biden had issued in March of 2021. And, you know, they always find good reasons for these executive orders. This was Biden saying essentially that we had to um, help, the federal government had to help with access to voting, access to voting. When you stop and think about it, they claim the you know, ruling cabal, Biden and the media claim that Biden got more votes than any presidential candidate in American history. I mean, so I don't know why it was an emergency for him to uh, issue this, um, this executive order in March of 2021, given we had this alleged massive turnout for Biden, which we didn't have. We had a massive turnout was for Trump. But in any case, in this original order, Biden said uh, he was instructing the federal government agencies to promote voter registration, help Americans supply, apply to vote by mail, because, hey, nothing goes wrong there, and combat misinformation, among other measures. And it contains a Democrat wish list of alleged reforms that enshrine many of the practices that were adopted on the temporary basis during the pandemic-affected 2020 election. So Biden is trying, through executive order, to put in place everything, all the tricks that the left pulled during the 2020 election, make them subject to an executive order, make them part of an executive order, and order the federal agencies to, and this is not just, you know, the Federal Election Commission, this is every agency in Washington. I don't have the number in my head Clearly, my memory is like 320 agencies were part of, were subject to this order. Basically, every agency, you think you're paying taxes, so they will work on, for example, I don't know, you know, finance or labor or whatever, or education or commerce. Every agency is under this order and was told they have to focus on uh, vote efforts, essentially, as they say, to increase access to voting. And he gave a 90-day, whatever it was, period, and every agency had to report back what we're going to do to help increase access to voting. So, I mean, it's just a, it was just a pure you know, boondoggle isn't even the right word. It's a corruption of the federal agencies, a corrupt use of the federal power, but Biden has the White House and, and a useless, um, you know, Congress and Senate won't stand up to him. So off they go. These agencies come up with all these ideas. So instead of what you're paying tax dollars for them to do, they're now focused on this. And this is all to understand. This is to implement, accentuate, and enable election fraud. That's all that it is. If you're encouraging people to register to vote by mail, you're helping the massive vote by mail fraud that happened in 2020. So now what's happened, my little update on this is, so this one organization, uh, Foundation for Government Accountability, FGA, they actually issued a FOIA request. They were asking, the federal government to say, well, how is this money? How are these agencies responding? What are they setting up? Let us see. So they, they after this March of 2021 Biden uh, executive order, this group, FGA, Foundation for Government Accountability, um, basically said, well, we want to see what's going on. So the, the DOJ doesn't want to answer them naturally. They don't want to respond. So they stonewall for a year for a year, and the midterm elections now approaching. Uh, the the FGA is in federal court trying to say, can we can we get this information, please? And um, this past July, so this year, July, the DOJ filed a document claiming it had located approximately 5,500 records that might be responsive to the FGA's FOIA request. Based on that large volume of records, the DOJ claimed the soonest it could turn over the documents was next year, after the midterms. 
the arrogance, the just, you know, slap across the face of the American people, the attitude of our federal government is we don't have to be accountable. We're not accountable. Who do you think? You don't tell us. You don't ask us for information. We are the, uh, you know, we are the DOJ. And so they, um, FGA fought back. This FGA again, the Foundation for Government Accountability, fought back in court. Uh, they eventually won, uh, and a federal judge ordered the documents to be produced before the midterm elections. So on September 8th, so now just we're into this month, the DOJ provides several documents and emails, volume noticeably smaller than what they said they had. Rather than 5,500 records, it was merely 135 pages and most were heavily redacted. These people, the Biden administration, the anti-American left that outruns this country, they are not accountable to you or anyone, and they're telling you that. They're saying, we are gonna use the resources we have, the government power, to do everything we can, can to memorialize, to cement in place election fraud measures using tax dollars, using federal agencies, and we're not even going to respond to a federal law, the Freedom of Information Act, uh, we're not, not going to respond. We're going to give you garbage, and you're just and you're just going to put up with it. And you need to ask yourself why. And so this fight's going to go on. Um, but but I need you to understand what I tell the story to say is it's important to understand they have absolutely no willingness, no ability, no willingness to respond. Um, to the American people, even when they obviously have to. Okay, I, do, I always say, I have said Wednesday is Q&A Wednesday. For everyone listening, if you wanna ask me a question uh, on this show, if a topic I haven't hit, you can email me a question at my show-related email, americacanwetalk at gmail.com, americacanwetalk at gmail.com, and I will answer today, and many Wednesdays, I got into my stories, but I do wanna, the one question I got several, uh, Several people have the same question why, you know, about commenting, uh, any comments about the death of Queen Elizabeth. And I'll give you the short answer right here. Number one, I dislike immensely the idea of a monarchy. I think that the America got it right back in 1776 when we formed, and then afterward we had our constitution and formed a country, that we don't, we're not subject to a monarchy. There's no right of any individual or entity or family to rule, that we are self-governed. And so the idea of a monarchy, which is you're just inheriting your position, you're born into it and you can't by merit enter it. You can't, I mean, you just, it's, it's, it is what it is. So I don't like that too much um, because I think that that's a, an insult to the idea of what the declaration says, the God-given right of every individual uh, to you know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, that we're all equal in God's eyes, you know, the, the founders, uh, the declaration words about you know, all men equal and endowed by our creator with these rights. So I don't like monarchy. Having said that, and I'm really, really glad we don't have that here. Having said that, it's not Queen Elizabeth's fault or anybody else in the royal family that you're born into the royal family. You are, I mean, you can abdicate, you can leave, but if you're born into that, this is a role you're expected to have in England. And as long as England still honors in any degree the royal family, they're part of government. They're not, you know, they're not passing laws, they're not members of parliament, but they have a role in the, in the English government. And, and they are, for the most part, Queen Elizabeth, she's completely wonderful. She was a wonderful queen. She was, uh, I mean, I thought she was stellar. And she was very good to America. After September 11th, the, you know, the big thing, they've played for the first time ever the American National Anthem. 
Museum outside, I think it was outside Parliament, but it was something she, uh, to send a gesture to America. So she was a good a queen, a lovely person. I mean, she got sideways with uh, Lady Princess Diana, but you know, she was, so I think she's fine. And I think she's far better than the complete fool who has now become the king. King Charles, Charles is a disaster. Charles is a World Economic Forum, climate change believing, globalist fool. Arrogant, airheaded, unimpressive, and I'm very, very sorry if the world spends a moment listening to anything he says about anything. At the end of the day, he does not acquire more wisdom, more judgment, more, uh, more, uh, more deserving of being respected just because he happens to be king. His political ideas, his environmental ideas are completely foolish, and he's a very sad replacement for Queen Elizabeth. But this is England, and they have their thing. This is America, and we have representative government as long as we fight for it. At the close of every show, I tell you, uh, and the race by today, but at the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today talking about Biden's inflation reduction fantasy. Biden conducts a staged White House celebration of Inflation Reduction Act with James Taylor singing, as inflation over 8% rages on, spreading and rising, stock market declines 4% in one day, based on the negative economic news, including inflation. And IRA includes, and this is another thing in the Inflation Reduction Act, beside the climate change and, and the money to the pharmaceutical companies, includes a $369 billion to fight climate change and, and the, um, I'm sorry, and it also had in it the funding of the new IRS agents. Goal to reduce emissions 40% by 2030 is not achievable and not necessary. Inflation Reduction Act did zero to reduce inflation and every sentient citizen knows it. Inflation causes real pain to millions of real Americans, gas, rent, utilities, groceries, and it's getting worse. The Biden administration's treatment of the American people as stupid knows no bounds, but it is being noticed every day. Red wave in November may overwhelm election cheating. And we had the FBI's Stasi raids and Denchenko duplicity. FBI tracks Mike Lindell to a fast food drive-through and seizes his phone FBI never raided Jeffrey Epstein, a whole other why don't they ever investigate, and they never raided Hunter Biden. FBI paid a Russian spy, Denchenko, to provide information to frame Trump. Please let that sink in. FBI paid a Russian spy to provide information, false information, to frame a duly elected president. FBI has become a national travesty, nothing but an enforcement arm against political opponents of the Biden regime and of the anti-American left, seeking to silence spreading concerns about election fraud. Government cannot convert untruth into truth and then demand submission to untruth. But that's what the FBI is trying to do with the white supremacy, J6 insurrection and the safe and secure 2020 election. They will fail, but at what cost to this nation? 
And then we talk about FBI's election fraud cover-up mission. The Biden administration is driving all federal agencies to register voters. Inflating voter rolls is the critical first step to rigging elections, according to both Dr. Douglas Frank and Captain Seth Keschel. Raids on 30 to 50 prominent Trump supporters, including Lindell, is pure intimidation tactic. Overwhelming evidence of Chinese infiltration of Connick involved in the 2020 U.S. election records and processes remains uninvestigated by the FBI. Why? FBI is using every tactic imaginable to enforce the 2020 election result as legitimate and silence anyone who questions it. Why should they need to do that if Joe Biden was the most popular president in U.S. history with 81 million votes? The FBI must be dismantled. It has failed the American people. And finally, the Q&A Wednesday, what about the queen? The American heritage includes a visceral dislike of rule by monarchy, was a major cause of the split from Great Britain in 1776. Elizabeth was born to royalty, not her choice, not without flaws and misjudgments and royal cover-ups, but also 70 years of the sense of honor and dignity and fidelity to the British people. Queen Elizabeth's reign spanned an incredible range of history. She was consistent and true to her sense of service. King Charles' open embrace of globalism, climate change, and the Great Reset do not bode well for him to live up to his mother's standard for what is and is not the appropriate business and role of a ceremonial monarch. Will the Brits embrace? Long live the king. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. We'll quickly mention for tomorrow and Thursday's show, we have Frank Gaffney and Tommy Waller joining us. Frank Gaffney, founder of Center for Security Policy, and Tommy Waller, incoming new head of Center for Security Policy in the new year. They'll be in studio with us tomorrow talking about national security issues under the Biden administration. I'm telling you, it'll be a great show. Don't miss it. And I will close up, as I always do, by telling you, I do this show to speak up for America, to urge people to love and embrace the unique and extraordinary greatness of America. I do this show to speak up for America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can you America, can we talk truth about America? Can you